self-awareness is a starting point for many areas of personal and professional growth. But most people don't know what it is or how to develop it. So join me, Kevin Dugan, a not-so-secret emotional intelligence practitioner and facilitator, as I have short conversations with different people on how, how self-awareness relates to our lives and how we can grow it. Right. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Now I See Me Self-Awareness Podcast. In this episode, we'll talk about the relationship between personal financial management and self-awareness. Joining us are Brian Portnoy, author of the books, The Geometry of Wealth and The Investor's Paradox. He joins us from Chicago. From California, we are also joined by Joy Larry, psychologist whose expertise includes behavioral finance. From Iloilo, we have Marvin Chin, a practicing Stoic who runs a couple of businesses. And Sabine, Sabine Chuangbian, who previously joined us when we were defining self-awareness for Gen Z. Right. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Good evening. How are we all? It's great to join you today. Thanks, Joy. Brian, how's Chicago? Uh, It's becoming warmer. Chicago winters are kind of notorious, but uh, spring has sprung and um, things things are looking good here. Oh, great. And Marvin? Hey, so it's locked down here again in Ililo, so we just have oh. to stay indoors and uh, be safe. Yeah, same here in Manila. So we're, we're all trying to reduce that infection rate. But yeah, yeah, that's the, these are the circumstances we're in. Thanks, everybody. Um, so tonight we'll be talking about personal finance, like I said earlier, personal finance, uh, personal financial management and self-awareness. And one of the questions that we'd like to ask, especially for, for, for Brian, to Brian and Joy is, how important is self-awareness in terms of personal financial management? Um, well, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a, a stab at, at answering that. And I know Joy has a lot of insight as, as well. I'll, I'll start off by saying that money is a multifaceted experience. Part of it obviously is just very, you know, quantitative and organizational. We, we, you use money to, to buy things. Um, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a means of exchange. It's, it's a store of, of value o- over time. But actually, money is a whole lot more, including uh, an emotional journey. It's, it's connected to our sense of self, our sense of self-importance. And, you know, th- there are various forms of well-being that we all explore and, and seek out. Physical well-being, emotional, spiritual. Well, financial well-being is, is real as well. And... Um, part of that quest for financial well-being isn't just, you know, the technical parts of money, having a budget or saving the right amount or earning the, the right amount at, at, your, at, at your job. It's, it's also asking how money fits into the life that you want to lead, how it leads into the, the good life, how, however you define that. And so as a result, self-awareness is absolutely critical with personal financial management. 
we are generally wired from a, our, our brains are wired to make pretty lousy decisions about about money. It's 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 hard to save more. It's hard to spend less. It's hard to do some of the basic rules of of, of personal finance. And um, as a result, the more that we know ourselves, the more we um, can make some of those decisions holistically and with better outcomes. Uh, I hand it over to Joy because I know she has some thoughts as well. So Thanks, Brian. I really believe that the path to success is paved with self-awareness. Mm -hmm. So much of money management and building the financial future that many people aspire to has to do with ultimately at the end of the day, action and behavior and some of those choices and habits that people put in place. But, but before we can get to that place of self-management, we need to start with self-awareness. So starting with understanding, recognizing, being able to label what is going on inside of you. So a lot of times people think about their emotions and they like to maybe label them as good or bad. Now, I look at it a little bit differently. I like to think about emotions not as good or bad, but as uncomfortable, more and less comfortable for people to sit with and tolerate. Now, all of our emotions have functions and they are to give us information. So slowing down, having that process of being able to look inside and ask, what are my feelings telling me? Now, with the feelings I'm experiencing, what do I do with that information? And how can I now make a choice that is going to ultimately lead me closer to where I want to go and create the future I'm saying I want for myself? Thank you. Thanks, Joy. <clears throat> Marvin, what do you think? Um, I, I totally agree with both, of course. And uh, just like both what both said, um, self-awareness is really important in general, I believe. Um, I'm not sure how you define it, but the idea of being aware as much as you can with your tendencies, be it the good or the bad, or as Joy said, be it the uncomfortable or less uncomfortable or comfortable, right? And it, it puts you in a better position to make more sound decisions. So personal finance included, it, it makes you reevaluate things, whether this is actually a healthy or unhealthy tendency. And, um, and at least you question things before they do permanently, they, they permanently damage you in some sense. Mm -hmm. So personal um, self-awareness is uh, really important because without that, you just dabble your way through life and you let your um, irrational emotions or irrational feelings dictate your decisions. Right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So... Um, you guys are talking about just generally the self, right? And, and how we're able to, number one, understand how our brains work, um, how our emotions work, what these, these things are telling us, and how we can manage these things so that we're, um, bet we do have better decisions, right? especially when it comes to finances. But, well, for most 
Filipino and Asian families, uh, Asia, especially here in the here in the Philippines, we our families are very close, right? Um, so we tend to have to support to each other a lot. Yeah, we we tend to have to support each other a lot, even with finances. So you will have. You will have um, in a in one home, like for my my home, for example, there are two grandmothers, my aunt, my uncle, my, uh, two cousins. It depends. Sometimes it's one, two, but but that said, it can be quite challenging to to manage personal finances. So how how would you guys, from your perspectives, how can we fund happiness? How can we fund contentment? How can we be better at man- managing our finances um, in this context? And considering how what you guys also mentioned about self awareness. So Kevin, I want to start by just acknowledging that family. Families are complex systems. And I think understanding that within a system, which is ultimately a group of people, the choices and behavior of one individual will have a knock-on effect on the other people. And I think when thinking about your financial choices, your financial goals, understanding how that is couched within a cultural system and the the milieu in which you exist is really important. And I think what's really important for families is communication. So being able to talk about what are my goals, what are my desires, and how does that fit within the collective? What What are our shared goals and our shared our shared desires and having honest conversations about what individuals hopes, wishes and expectations are. Because I think a lot of times that can happen in in couples or in families is people come together and in their mind, they have different assumptions about Mm -hmm. what should happen, but those things don't necessarily match up. So, you can't just assume that things are going to neatly and nicely fall together because life doesn't happen like that. So really being intentional about communication, every step of the planning process is really important for families. Can I just, can I, can I just, jump onto that because I, I thought that was just a, an amazing answer. And I would say that if true contentment and <clears throat> happiness really does stem from self-awareness, th- that also includes transparency. That includes, as Joy just you know eloquently stated, the ability to communicate where you're coming from and 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 where you where you want to go. We we all have families we we know it gets complicated here in America. The, the family structure is, uh, you know, probably a little different um, than, than sort of what is, what is normal in, in, in the Philippines. That said, 
taking care of aging parents, raising small children, being part of a multi-generational story in which you are one of the authors of, you know, what is going to take place. Um, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's also joyful. Um, you know, there are some very deep sources of contentment in our lives and the sense of belonging, the sense of togetherness ranks number one among them all. Mm. It's who we are. We, we, we are, we are social beings and we were, we are born into families. I just really want to echo Joy's point about communication and being able to share as best as possible where within the family structure, where people are coming, where any particular individual is coming and going through the work. And it's very hard work. Uh, we all experience it to, in, in one way or another across generations. It's, it's, it's really hard, but important work to align what's best for the individual and what's uh, at the same time, what's best for the group. Right. And I want to add, so you, Brian, you mentioned it's, it's a lot of work. It's also joyful. And um, so I used to live alone. I lived alone for quite a few years and I'd have to admit that my personal, my financial choices when I was living alone were probably a lot worse than when I started, decided to rejoin my family. So yeah, it is, it's a lot of rejoining family, living with family again. Um, there was a lot of work involved towards communicating, not just finances, but a lot of other things, but it was definitely joyful work. And for me, it, it, it was a lot, there was a lot of support towards developing my, my own awareness, not just financial awareness, but a lot of other things. So, yes, thanks. Um, Marvin, Evan, did you want to add something? Sure, Marvin. Yes. So I, re I really like both Brian and Joyce's answer. And um, I, I also, um, that's also what I practice for the most part. But um, just to give you guys a bit of context in the Philippine setting. So um, I came from a really huge family. Um, I have four siblings, so we're five. And then my mom, my mother's side, they're 11 in the family. And my dad's side, they're six in the family. So um, I have over 30 cousins. And I also have nephews and even grandsons now, even though I'm just 25, because we're a huge <laughs> family. So, and uh, it, it gets really complicated. And uh, as much as I'd like the idea of transparency and communication, but if you're dealing with people um, coming from different backgrounds, like I'm, I'm really fortunate to have a good family in a sense that we were raised well and I was brought, I, I got really good education, but not all of my cousins went that, um, went to like as good schools as I did. Some cousins even like wasn't able to finish college. And I even had the family member died of, OD and most of it were these are ex extreme cases because but that's the average life of, of, of Filipino families and as much as we'd like to communicate to some of I'm not saying this from my family exactly because uh, we're I'm lucky to be blessed with a really good family even though we're that big but some families they they came from like the poorest of the 
poor and no matter how you communicate with them it's it's difficult to get things through because one it's um they weren't um necessarily they haven't um what do you call this they haven't surpassed the maslow's hierarchy of needs like they're they're still at the point of just surviving having enough to live to survive to eat shelter and security um so they haven't reached that point yet of um self-awareness even or they're not even at that point of of um questioning things because they, they just dabble their way through life just to survive so um my my point is for for your for the filipinos listening um i think you just have to be aware of of that of the tendencies of people who can't really understand as much as you'd like them to understand even though because they're they're filipinos like they're giving everything they have to their family yet um those the ones asking are still saying it's it's mm. not enough or complaining but um is this everything that you've got like are you that selfish you can't even give 10,000 pesos to your nephew for his first birthday something like that when they don't even have anything to begin with so that's just the context i want to share with you guys for the sake of the filipinos listening marvin i really want to thank you for sharing your story I think what you just described, you know, you said these are some extreme examples, but I, I think you beautifully illustrated the fact that family, all families, I can, I can tell you this as a therapist, all families are messy. There, there are complexities in every system. And what you described, I think, is common and a really big challenge. First of all, we have we have the reality that money is a taboo topic. It is difficult to discuss. Another added layer of complexity happens when there is a discrepancy and level of financial literacy, understanding, financial means, affluence, between two groups, then you're trying to bridge multiple things in your communication. People may have feelings about being a have or a have not, and that all, that all creates multiple layers of complexity on top, to, on top of something that is already challenging. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, I wanted to share a bit of my story. Thanks, thanks, Joy. Thanks, thanks, Marvin. So yeah, it is complex. But so um, on my father's side, let me just share this very quickly. My father's side is—I wouldn't say wealthy, but you know, we probably upper middle class or lower upper class, whatever. And then on my mother's side. Um, my, my mother's side is probably what you would call masa in the Philippines. So part of the masses, um, maybe borderline poverty. Right? Some of them are borderline poverty. And we would have on that side of the family, I would have to support my grandmother with her, with her medicines and maybe once in a while help, help with um, expenses for my cousins on that side. And it was challenging, it was messy, but then the way I approached it was 
a more calm manner, um, more calm in the sense that I un- they may not totally understand that I cannot always provide a certain amount. But then when I do provide, I try to approach it with, how do I explain it? An openness, if my heart, uh, openness and compassion. And so when I do that, it's their response is less hostile when I'm not able to give as much. So to the Filipino families who are listening, who are, who are going through this conflict, uh, I think it, 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 is, it does get messy, but it doesn't necessarily have to, be all, have to always be that way. There, yeah, that's just what I wanted to share. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Anything else that you guys wanted to share about this topic? Um, I, I just, I, I so appreciate everyone's candor uh, and humility. I, I think what we're doing here, hopefully, is even a a, a model or an inspiration right. for the way one might go about achieving more self-awareness and partly in connection, financial well-being and, and well-being generally. Um, yeah, you said, everyone said in their own way, families are messy. Trust me, my family is a mess. Um, it's hard. And in the same way you clean up your house or tidy up, you know, two or Three days later, it's it's messy again. You know, en- entropy is not only a, a thing in physics; it's a it's a thing in our lives. Th- things kind of fall apart. But messy doesn't have to mean painful. Mm. If we feel like we are in a process of understanding and trying to do better, trying to earn small wins, I think one of the big challenges with um, investing in finance, at least from an American perspective, is that people aim for a number. You know, I, I, I want X number of dollars. I want Y number of pesos. I want to get to that, that big number and then everything will be okay. Well, we know from psychological research that it doesn't work that way, that having that one big goal, it's whether or not you achieve it, 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 it doesn't deliver the well-being that you think that it does because then there's always something next. Mm-hmm. So the importance in this process that we're talking about of achieving small wins, little things along the way that give us confidence and, and reinforce that we're moving in the right direction, super important. So to the extent that this journey for people involves Getting little things done frequently as opposed to one big thing way in the distant future, I, I would strongly advocate one over the other. Thank you. Yes, absolutely, Brian. Small wins. Um, and that's, that's, that's how I've been trying to manage um, my finances and my relationships with both sides of the family. 
both father's side and mother's side. Thanks. Brian, Great I appreciated yep. that you said that it doesn't have to be painful. You know, a, a theme that has been brought up today is this idea of discomfort. And discomfort is an inevitable part of life. And when we think about growth and challenge in our lives, you know, a lot of times we like to be comfortable. We like to feel very safe and secure and not be kind of pushed outside of our comfort zone. But I have found time and time again that when we can step into that, that zone of discomfort and really turn into that, that is where real growth happens in our lives. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm hoping, thanks, Joy. And I'm hoping that this, what we're doing, and, and the rest of these podcasts on self awareness help us understand how to go into that discomfort, how to, how to approach that discomfort. And, and talking about that, I wanted to bring up another question. Um, how do we actually, what are the actionable things that individuals in developing countries like the Philippines or Haiti or wherever else, um, places in Africa and the rest of Asia, how come, what are the actionable things that people can do to develop self-awareness in terms of personal financial management? What are the things that you guys have done? Hmm. Um. I'll go first and sure. say that there's a, I'll call it a top-down strategy and a bottom-up strategy. And we've actually been talking this whole time about the top-down strategy, which is self-reflection, um, going through the hard work of knowing yourself better and what you want. And I feel like all of you have made amazing points. So I'll kind of leave that alone there, or I won't elaborate further. The, the bottom up is, is very practical. What flashes into my mind is a, is a wonderful short book um, by a man named Atul Gawande called The Checklist Manifesto. And it, it puts forth what sounds to be a pretty obvious thesis, but when you get into it, um, you realize it's, it's, it's hard work. As, as is communicated in the name, The Checklist Manifesto, um, there's something very empowering about getting organized and going through the different dimensions of your life that need to be basically written on paper or typed into your notes field on your phone or, you know, where, wherever your comfortable place is. And to use that as a very practical tool for getting things done. As I mentioned earlier, you know, there's really no substitute for a lot of small wins over time. They, they sort of serve as a constant wind in our sails. They, they, they move us forward rather than one big gust that, that, that comes and goes. And so making lists, getting organized, uh, recognizing that you know, specifically in the area of personal financial management, there are so many little details um, for everybody, it doesn't matter if you, if, you, if, you, if you have a little, if you have a lot, there's just so many moving pieces. 
feeling like you know what all of those pieces are. And even if they're not organized, how you would like them to look when they are organized, that's a win. That's a really big win. And so um, I, I hope it doesn't come out as too kind of obvious or you know beyond obvious, but getting organized, making lists and putting yourself in a position to get things done, it's really important. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, I, I checked out. I checked out a tool go on there just now. Thanks, Joy. You were going to say something. Go ahead. I absolutely agree with what Brian said. And when I think about, I'm going to go back to then the top down. And when I think about just the basics of self awareness and where you start, it begins with identifying and labeling your emotions. And this is something, it sounds so simple, but oftentimes the things that are simple in life are not necessarily easy to do. And if you haven't grown up in an environment where, where you've had caregivers who've helped kind of in psychology, what we call mirror or help, lab, help you develop the language for for you to be able to identify what you are feeling to then be able to communicate it to others. That is a skill that sometimes people need to develop later in life. A lot of times that's some of the work I'm doing in therapy. A lot of people, you know, people joke, oh, therapists are always asking, what are you feeling? What are you feeling ad nauseum? But there's a reason because as we can become more adept at identifying and labeling our emotions, we can step back and self-reflect and go back to the question I raised at the beginning of our discussion today, this idea of what information is my emotion giving me? And then using that information to be able to communicate that in our relationships to get our needs met. Thanks, Joy. Thank you. Marvin, did you want to add to that? Um, yes, sir. So for me, I have basically two things, um, modeling and mindfulness exercises. So when I say modeling, it's, it's basically what happened to me when I, when I first realized that there's more to life than how I'm living it. That's when I started. That's, I, I, uh, I got a sight of that when I first read, when I started reading books. So unfortunately, I'm a late bloomer. I started reading books like um, self-help books after college. So that's when I realized like, oh damn, there's there's more to life than how I'm living it right now. And and the, the more I read, the more I listen to podcasts, I learn a lot of stuff about um, people who have experienced it firsthand. So um, I'm saying this because it's it's really difficult to to just be self-aware all of a sudden. And um, first, like what happened to me is that I basically studied like people I admired the most in life, and I kept reading them. And then and then I the the most common denominator I saw among all of them is they're really aware. Um, th their self-awareness is really good and among all those um, self-aware people the mindfulness exercises were somehow similar and uh, and that's 
like meditation, journaling, um, being present, being aware, or at least having awareness exercises where like random time of the day, just pause and uh, be aware of your of everything, of your surrounding. And it gives you, it basically gives you a sense of comfort and the time to relax and uh, and uh, not let the day-to-day things take control of you instead you be more present so you take control of your time and your emotions and whatnot so yeah um mindfulness exercises and modeling thanks marvin which reminded me of so maybe i'd like to put what you the three of you mentioned into context or into a story so um, I don't know, many, many years ago, I don't even remember how old I was. Um, I was riding a Jeep. So Joy, Brian, a Jeep here in the Philippines is public transportation. Uh, maybe 15, 20 people will fit in it. And I just, and I suddenly realized I only had 20 pesos left. And uh, I would have panicked, but then, you know, I, I went into that mindful, I, I started realizing what I was feeling and what I was, what I was thinking. And um, I did identify at that time, I did try to identify what I was um, experiencing. So I was experiencing panic and what, and then I just, went into that mode of trying to understand, okay, what can I, what are the actionable steps I can do to get myself out of this situation? Um, so good thing, it was a good thing that I was passing by, uh, passing near a friend's house. So I, I stopped at my friend's, uh, I stopped, I get, got, got off the Jeep at my friend's house and asked for a little extra money and paid him back the next day. So, um, I think what, what I'd like to, to say here is that um, we, we, a lot of people, a lot of Filipinos, I think, kind of think of personal financial management as something complex, as something um, only attainable by those who have a, have a degree or, or, um, or you know, uh, a lot of experience, but it's, it's something that we can all do, right? Um, and we can, uh, we can approach it from different aspects. We can approach it top down um, through mindfulness, through understanding our emotions, um, identifying our emotions, and then um, having, um, understanding the actions that we, we, we want to take from those emotions. So we can t- do it from the bottom up as Brian, Brian mentioned. Through, through these checklists, through, through organizing ourselves. And one of the things that Brian mentions in his book is, and that's something, Brian, th- um, when I read your book, that's something that I realized I should have done a long time ago, was just really check, um, what is that you said? You mentioned do a personal review of your finances. Mm-hmm. Um, what, is, what was that term you, you called? Um, it's... Um, it's an, an audit or something uh-huh. like that, a personal audit. Yep. Yeah. 
And I, I realized I hadn't really done that in a really long time. So that's also something I could have done. And, and um, it's something that I didn't want to do also before because I was just ashamed. Ashamed of the bad financial decisions I, that I made many years ago. So thanks for that. So, um, yeah. Are right, you going to say something? No, I just, I just thank you. It's, it's, um, it's so meaningful when, you know, the words, you know, I write, I know joy feels the same, uh, that they can make an impact. Um, and I think one lesson that you just pointed to is just being able to take stock. Um, I can assure you, um, you know, I'm there here in America, <clears throat> all over the world, taking a close look at your finances is hard work because a lot of the times we just don't want to know. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, and fortunately, knowledge is power. And when we have that knowledge, when we've done that audit, when we've figured out a lot of the details of our financial lives, um, we've given ourselves a superpower to, to move much higher, but it, it's hard to achieve those higher levels without that knowledge. Kevin, you shared something that's important that I am confident you are not alone in, and that is this idea of shame. I think mm -hmm. a lot of times people look at their financial lives and they recognize there is a real disconnect between where they are and where they want to be. And they may look back at decisions or things that they are labeling as mistakes that they've made. And people can very quickly <clears throat> become really self-critical with themselves. And I think even, uh, even a lot of the, the rhetoric with behavioral finance up until this point, in some ways has, has not done anyone any favors around this. Uh, a lot of the language that a lot of people use are, well, I was irrational, I was, I was misbehaving. But the truth is, it's really important that people have self-compassion because money right, is right. complex. It is emotionally charged and it is difficult. And because of the way our brains are naturally wired, our environments, our emotions, our own personal histories, these things come together and can often, often don't set us up in the best ways to make the, the most productive financial choices. So it's important to have compassion with yourself. And, you know, sometimes when we look back at something and we wish it would have gone different, being able to say to yourself, well, I did the best with what I had at that time. And then looking at, well, what can I control now? Right now, I can control what is right in front of me and my future actions and behavior. And then reshifting your attention there, I think is really important. This idea of avoidance is also very natural. Looking at a, your financial situation for a lot of people is very anxiety provoking. And the way that humans 
sometimes we manage anxiety in different ways. Sometimes we deny and avoid, and that's to create some self-protective different distance from something that's going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes people become preoccupied with the thing that they are anxious about and become overactive. You sometimes see this playing out with people financially, but know that that, that avoidance is natural. And there, there's a reason you want to kind of push that away. But if you can begin to address that and do what you can to take an honest look at where you are, that is going to be an important step to get you to where you want to ultimately go. Thank you, Joy. Thank you. All right. Great. You know, we, we talked about a lot of great things and I hope whoever, if whoever's listening, you're listening, I hope you, you got, um, you learned quite a few things about self-awareness and personal financial management. And we're about to end our podcast, but before that, um, does anybody else want to add a few words, uh, some parting words? I mean, I'll, I'll just congratulate you, Kevin, for just inspiring the conversation. Um, you know, they, they say the first part to running a race is tying your shoes. We, we all need to tie our shoes every day. And sometimes it's kind of hard. Sometimes we don't want to do it. We don't want to put those shoes on. So this sort of conversation, you know, whether you're in uh, Chicago or San Francisco or Manila or anywhere else in the world. Um, it starts with tying your shoes. And I, I think that's some of what we've done today. Thanks, Brian. Yep, that's where it starts. Yep. Um, Joy, Marvin, Joy, anything that you'd like to say before we say, say goodbye? Well, I just want to thank you again for sharing your platform with us and for everything that you and Marvin have shared. I appreciate the courage it takes to be authentic and vulnerable about these kinds of conversations. But I think the more that people can start to talk out loud and acknowledge that this is not easy, this is this is challenging and no one has it all figured out, the less alone people can feel and the right. more empowered they are going to be to start asking questions. And it's when we can be curious and ask questions, that's, that's when we can learn more. And the more we learn, the better we can do. Right. Thanks, Joy. <clears throat> Marvin? All right, so first uh, I'd like to say thank you so much, Kevin, for this opportunity and for introducing me to Joy and Brian and Sabine. I'm really grateful for um, having learned from you guys tonight. And um, I thank you for your compassion and also your wisdom that you've shared to me and to everyone listening. Well, it's, it's, it's shared wisdom, shared compassion as well, Marvin. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody, for... For being part of this podcast so for those who are listening uh these now i see me self now i see me podcasts are part of a series of podcasts on self-awareness 
And tonight we define what self-aware and how the importance of self-awareness and personal financial management. If you'd like to learn more, reach out to us. Uh, there'll be links to, to Acuerdo and uh, we'll put in some, some information on how to reach us through email, mobile, or through Facebook. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope that you're able to take something away from this podcast. It will help you on your self-awareness journey. If you would like to learn how to further develop your self-awareness, send us an email at, at acuerdo.inquiry at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at Acuerdo Learning.